Welcome to Accepting the Unacceptable, a podcast for parents raising children with neurological differences. My five-year-old daughter, Remy, has autism and epilepsy. And while this hasn't been the easiest road, it's a road with more wonder and adventure than I could have ever imagined. I'm here to give you encouragement and share wisdom and stories to help you along in your own journey. Because let's face it, this parenting thing is not easy. I'm your host, Jody Warshawski, a wife, a mother of four, and a gal just trying to figure all this stuff out. Thank you so much for joining me and welcome to the show. A couple weeks ago, I opened it up to you to tell me the topics that you really want me to talk about. And I got a few responses saying, I don't know how to take care of myself. Can you do an episode on self-care? And immediately I thought, oh my gosh, that's such a good topic. Let's do that one. And then I started to really think, well, I don't know if I could talk about self-care because I don't practice it all that well. I think back to before Remy was born, that is my daughter with autism and epilepsy. I think back to before she was born and I was good at self-care. I went to the gym regularly. I saw my girlfriends on a regular basis. I got my nails done every couple weeks. I went shopping on a regular basis and bought things that made me feel pretty. But as you know, when you have a newborn, so much of your energy goes to your newborn. So that's how it started with Remy. She was a newborn and she took all of my energy. So I didn't get my nails done and I didn't hang out with my friends and I didn't do all the things that I used to do. And that's completely understandable. And then she started having seizures when she was nine months old. And when that happened, I'll never forget three days before her first seizure, I had decided that I was going to lose the baby weight. I was going to start working out, eating healthy. And I had done it before and I knew I could do it again. And I was really excited. So I joined the gym. I started going to these boot camp classes and I had been successful at a raw food diet before I had Remy. And I was going to do it again because when I was on the raw food diet, I never felt as good. I lost a ton of weight. My skin cleared up. I never got sick. And if I did it once, I could do it again. So I started on the raw food diet. I started going to this boot camp gym. And it was about three or four days after that, Remy had her first seizure and ended up in the hospital. And the very first time that we were hungry and went down to the cafeteria, I said, forget it. I need cookies. I need Diet Coke. And it was justified in my head because we were going through this traumatic moment and that's no time to try to find a salad and pick out the right toppings and find the right dressing. I needed a cookie right then. Now, I didn't realize at that moment that it was going to be kind of a fork in the road for my health 
I never went back to the raw food diet after that. And I never went back to the gym. And from that day forward, life has only gotten harder. As special needs parents, some of us have other kids that we have to tend to and Some of us just have the one with autism or epilepsy. And there's sort of a background of panic in the eyes of a special needs parent. A little bit of panic because we have to get ahead of it. We have to get the right doctors and the right therapies and we have to start on the right interventions We have to get into the right schools and find the right specialists. We have to learn everything about our kid's disease or disorder, and we're busy figuring out how to be an advocate. I remember in those beginning days, we're in and out of the hospital. We're trying to figure out how to balance everyone's needs. I was lucky if I even got a shower. I wasn't sleeping Anything that I ate was the leftover of what the kids didn't want. And I wasn't really successful at any one thing. The laundry was always piled up. Someone was late to soccer practice or school. I was dealing with meltdowns and there was just not enough of me. Not enough of me to do everything for everyone. So when you're in this position... And you are the mother and you are the person that's taking care of the family. Everyone depends on you. And you start to believe that without you, everything would fall apart. If you're not making dinner, then someone's going to starve. If you aren't working on speech, then maybe your child will never talk. If you don't find the right specialist, then your child will be doomed forever. It's all on you, and so every ounce of your energy needs to be spent trying to make sure that everyone's taken care of. I have a girlfriend that I was talking to the other day, and as she was talking, I just was nodding my head. So she was complaining about how she just was tired and she felt exhausted and She had these two little kids and they just took up all of her energy and all of her time. She was telling me how she can't even do her hair anymore or put on makeup. And as soon as she wakes up till the time she goes to bed, she's just doing everything for everyone. She told me that all she wanted was to go get her nails done or be able to read an Us magazine and that. She wouldn't even think to ask her husband to watch the kids for a few minutes so that she could do that because that was her responsibility to take care of the kids. And she didn't know if her husband would be too stressed out to do it. So she never did. And one day her husband came home and said, hey, uh, Friday, I'm going out with the guys. Chuck's in town. So we're going to go down to the pool hall. And What she thought was, what? He just waltzes in here and tells me he's going out on Friday night, doesn't even ask if that's okay with me, and I'm going to agree. And what that means is that I'm going to be with the kids all Friday night, 
And then on Saturday morning, my husband's going to sleep in. So I'll have the kids on Saturday morning. And then he's not going to want to do anything because he drank too much beer the night before. How many of us can relate to that story? I think why we get so angry when others are telling us, oh, I'm going to run out and get a haircut real quick, and they don't ask us if it's okay, it's because we don't feel like we have that same right. We don't feel like we can just be able to say, hey, I'm going to go hang out with my girlfriends, and you got to figure out everything at home. So then when our husbands come home and they say that, we feel resentful. We feel jealous. And if you feel that way, I'm telling you right now, you need a break. Now, like I said, this is not an area that I excel in. And so this is a pretty hypocritical podcast episode, I do have to say, because I'm saying all of these things, but I don't practice them that well. But I am getting a little better. And one of the things that I'm getting better at is I just had a weekend with my girlfriends. And it's something that we used to do a long time ago before kids were born. But it's not something that we do on a regular basis. And when I was talking to my girlfriends, we've been friends since we were kids, which is super rare. So there's six of us. We've all been friends since we were, gosh, born. So we used to live on the same street and we used to play together as kids. So we've grown up together and we don't all live in the same place now. We're all spread apart and we stay connected through Messenger. We have this group chat that's been going for about 10 years. We started on Twitter and then we moved to text messaging and then we moved to Messenger. So we talk just about every day, but this weekend when we got together, we all realized that getting together, it took us over 10 years because we all had families and kids and jobs and marriages, and we all feel the same way, that taking time to recharge our soul feels selfish. So that's why it took so long for us to get together. It took money to get us together. We had to take time away from our families, time away from our responsibilities, just to refill our cup. It's funny because when we were teenagers and when we were in our early 20s, it was no problem. We would just get together. There was no discussion. It was, hey, what are you doing this week? And I'm coming over. And now, now it took months to plan We talked about it for hours and hours over Messenger, and coming together was just almost impossible, but actually it wasn't that hard. I came home, and the kids had an amazing time with their dad, and everyone was happy. So I thought, wow, my kids are really going to miss me over a weekend, and then it ended up that I was really, really happy. The kids were really, really happy, and the house didn't crumble to the ground. Huh, who would have thought? So because we are talking about raising kids with special needs, I'm going to relate self-care to that. Why is it important to take care of ourselves? This is the reason. 
I remember when Remy was in the hospital and she was having seizure after seizure after seizure. And we finally got a diagnosis that would tell us that Remy is probably always going to have seizures. She's always going to have autism. The first thing that I thought of when I heard that was, so if she has these medical issues and she has autism, she might not be able to take care of herself when she's an adult. If that's the case, I basically need to live longer than her so that I can always take care of her. Because the thought of me passing away before her would mean that it is out of my control what happens to Remy. And I could not sleep knowing that Remy was in a situation where she wasn't getting the kind of love and attention that I gave her. And I think that that is something that all of us special needs parents think about all the time. What will happen to my child when I die? So that is in the back of my head all the time. And here are the thoughts. How can I live till I'm 122 years old? That's kind of what I think. And then I started researching, can people live that long? And then I started to realize, okay, if I did want to live a long time, what do I need to do to make that happen? And here's where the part gets tricky. We all know that taking care of our health is really important. But the hard part is that when you take a high stress situation, like parenting someone with autism, focusing on our health is usually the last thing we think about. Now, the next thing that's coming out of my mouth is very hypocritical, but I'm going to say it anyway, and it's a belief I have. I believe that special needs parents should be the healthiest people on the planet. I believe that it is our responsibility to keep ourselves happy, healthy, living a long time, because if we don't and we get Alzheimer's at an early age, cancer at an early age, if we become so overweight we can't move at an early age, we are backing ourselves into a corner that someone will have to take care of us. And if someone has to take care of us, then who's going to take care of our kids who need us? So this is why self-care is such an important topic. We need to learn how to love ourselves. We need to learn how to take care of ourselves because the better that we are, the better we can be for everyone else. But I don't think that we need to take care of ourselves just so we can be useful to everyone else. But I know that us women and us mothers, that's the first thing that we think of. If I'm going to spend any energy doing anything else, it has to be the best thing for my family. So that is one reason why I think it's important. So let's talk about self-care. What is it? The definition is the practice of taking action to preserve or improve one's own health. Another definition says the practice of taking an active role in protecting one's own well-being and happiness, in particular during periods of stress. Wow, let's talk about stress. Just like I was saying when I was in the hospital with Remy, 
and I had committed to doing this raw food diet, when I went to the cafeteria, I ended up getting a platter of cookies. What I think we really need to do is learn how to deal with our stress in healthy ways instead of unhealthy ways. I love steak, wine, and cookies. I also love not going to the gym and binge watching The Real Housewives. Now, I'm not saying that cookies and wine and housewives are bad, but when we aren't doing the things that actually help with stress, like exercise and eating a whole balanced diet, those things just make it worse. I'm going to tell you some of the things that fill up my cup. The goal of this is for you to start thinking about what fills up your cup. And what I did is I got a piece of paper and I wrote down all of the things that make me feel amazing. And this is what I want you to do as well. You can do it now or you can do it after you listen to the podcast or whenever you want today. But get a piece of paper and start writing a list of the things that make you feel good, the things that make you a better person, the things that make you a happier version of yourself. And when you are a happier version of yourself, then everyone gets the best of you. When you are run down, you're hungover because you had too much wine, you aren't getting any sleep, what everyone gets is the grumpy, the stressed, the overwhelmed version of you where you're snappy and you are irritated and you're short with everyone. And I know for myself That is how I've been running for the past few years. I'm short with people and I don't have any patience. And when one thing goes wrong, it ruins my day. We need to build a little resilience. And so here are some of the things that make me feel amazing. I love getting my nails and toes done. So when I can just sit in the chair and I get my pedicure and I get my nails done. It's one of the most relaxing times for me. I love talking to the girls who are working on my hands and it's always just a super girly time for me. None of my family is there. None of the stress is there and I love it. I don't do it very often, but when I do, I always feel better. I love listening to podcasts. That's like one of my favorite things. And one of my favorite topics is self-improvement. And if I can just listen to a really good podcast in the car or when I'm getting ready, it just energizes me. So I love marketing podcasts. I love ones about parenting. I love ones about self-care and self-improvement. So I listen to a lot of them, but I don't practice them all. So that's something that I love. I love spending time with my girlfriends, but I don't do it very much at all. So when I get together with one of my friends and we can laugh and talk, it is the most amazing time. And I always leave feeling like the best version of me. I love taking time to get ready for something. If Zach has the kids, he's watching the kids, 
and I can spend an hour or two hours taking a shower and doing my hair and doing my makeup and taking my time, that is the most relaxing time. How many times are we getting ready with kids on the floor in the bathroom and we're rushing to take a shower and if we get any makeup on our face, it's just splashing something on our face and we look in the mirror and we're like, ugh, I guess it's better than it was before. We don't really feel good about ourselves and we didn't take the time that we really wanted to take to feel amazing. I love photography. It's one of the hobbies that I've never taken the time to actually get really good at it. And that is hard because I love it. It is like I could do it forever. So when I was in high school, I took a photography class and this was before digital cameras. Wow. Okay. (laughs) So uh, in class, we learned how to develop our own film and develop our own pictures. And we spent time in a dark room and it was the first time that I ever felt Zen. Like I felt so at peace and so calm when I would be sitting there in the dark room developing these pictures and then hanging them up and watching the picture appear. And there's just something about photography that I love. I love capturing moments and editing the pictures. I could sit and edit pictures all day and I would not be missing anything. I'd probably forget to eat. I'd probably forget to drink anything. But of course, when you are a busy mom, you don't get the opportunities to do that so much. So I take a lot of pictures, mostly with my phone, but most of the time I don't do anything with them. So on my phone right now, I have 40,000 pictures. And this is just from, I think it's just a year or so. That's a lot. And I'm reminded of that all the time. Every time my son is in the room, he's always like, oh my gosh, you're always taking pictures. But I love it. I love taking pictures. And not only is it fun to take a picture, but I feel like when you take one, even if you never look at that picture again, it helps put that memory in your head. So I can remember pictures and I remember the feeling of what it was like when we were there and I can just get sucked into the world of photography all day. Another thing that I absolutely love is a really good conversation. That is how I fell in love with my husband is because we were able to talk for hours and hours and hours. And through the years, I've realized that I tolerate small talk way less now because I just want to get into these deep conversations with people and talk about the real stuff. I guess that's why a podcast fits with me because I love to talk things out and I love to share ideas and I love to hear other people's perspectives and try to put myself in their position. It's what gives me life. So those are just some of the ways that when I spend time doing those things, I feel like me. But when you are spending all of your time and energy and money on your kids, then you're not going to go get your nails done. You're not going to take the time to get ready in the morning. You're not going to start 
taking pictures and spending time editing them. You're not going to have any conversations with your friends because you don't have time for that. And then when your husband comes in and he wants to go hang out with the guys, you resent him because you want to be doing those things. You want to be spending time with your friends and you want to be able to, at a whim, just go and do something that's going to fill your tank up. Another thing that I love is I love reading like us magazines and people magazines and I love reality TV and I don't watch TV very much. Maybe I watch an episode a week of something, but if I ever have an opportunity to watch like four or five TV shows in a row and get really absorbed in that TV show, it's life to me. And that's a double-edged sword because I know people can get addicted to TV and that's why Netflix is so popular because binge watching is kind of the thing to do. But there's something about just getting really into a story that's not your own. It's an escape and it makes you imagine life differently and it's just fun. Okay, that sounded bad. Like I'm not trying to escape from your life, but anyways. Now, I want to say that this practice of writing down the things that bring me joy, it was kind of hard because I don't let myself think about what I would rather do or what I want to spend time doing. And I would love to hear what you think when you do this same thing. When you sit down and you try to figure out all the things that bring you joy, reach out to me and tell me how that went. Was it easy for you to do? Was it fun? Was it lethargic? What was it? I love Oprah. And actually, that's something else that brings me joy is watching anything Oprah does. She's awesome. I've been following her since I was a little girl. One thing that she says is that people tell her, man, Oprah's full of herself. Like she's all about her and she's full of herself. And she says, I love when people say that because she agrees. She says, I am full of myself. And when I'm full of myself, my cup runneth over. And that is why I can give so much to so many people because my cup is full. And that really resonates with me because how many times have we been trying to pour from an empty cup? And I know I've referenced that a couple times in the episode, but it's just something that really sticks with me. And it's because I think us moms, we want to take care of ourselves. We want to eat healthier. We want to feel better. We want to do some of the things that bring us joy. But we keep making excuses. Oh, I can't because I don't have enough money, because I don't have enough time. No one can watch my kids so that I can go and get my nails done. Or there's a million reasons. And I have to tell you, a lot of those are accurate. But I also believe. That when there's a will, there's a way. How hard was it for your husband to come home and be like, hey, I'm going to go out with the guys? Why can't we do that now and then? We don't have to do it every day. But why can't we say, you know what? Once a month, I'm going to go get my nails done. I'm going to be out of the house for three hours. 
Do you think that you could find someone to help with the kids for three hours a month? That is my challenge for you. My challenge for you is to write your list of things that bring you joy. And I want you to put it on the calendar that you are going to do one of those things come hell or high water. What is it for you? Is it going and getting a cup of coffee? Is it listening to a podcast? Is it calling an old girlfriend and catching up? I remember I used to talk on the phone all the time. This is before um, texting and all of that. So when I was a kid and a teenager, I would come home from school and just talk to my friends on the phone till bedtime. Now, when you have kids, you can't just call someone. It's like if someone calls me, I'm thinking, oh, wow, what is this about? I think what we do a lot is we just don't talk on the phone. But what I find really helps is if you can text a girlfriend and schedule the conversation like, hey, what are you doing on Thursday at 9 p.m.? Can we talk on the phone? I would love to catch up. And that sounds like, oh, official, you have to schedule a conversation. But when you do that and you can kind of rearrange your what's happening, maybe when the kids go to bed or whatever it is, then you can have that time. There's ways to figure out how to do things that bring happiness to you. One quick story before I go, Remy was in the hospital and this was a long time ago when she was first starting to have seizures. So she was in the hospital and it was about five weeks. And the way that me and Zach took care of her is we took shifts. So I had the day shift. He had the night shift. I would sleep at night and then I'd wake up and I'd take care of Remy from seven in the morning till about eight at night. And then I would go back to the room. We were staying at the Ronald McDonald house at the hospital at UCSF. So I would go and I would sleep at night and then he would stay up and take care of Remy during the night. And then he would work and watch Remy and I would sleep and then we would flip. He would sleep during the day. So that's how we were able to 24 hours a day watch Remy. I remember one day after five weeks of doing this, all of my time was devoted to taking care of Remy. I looked down at my feet and I thought, I could totally use a pedicure right now. And then my thought right after that was, that is so selfish. How can my daughter be in the hospital and I'm going and getting a pedicure? Like, what's wrong with me? What kind of person thinks that way? But I said something out loud to my husband. I'm like, man, I could totally use a pedicure. And he said, so go get a pedicure. And I'm like, well, I can't do that because I have to go during their working hours. And that's when you're sleeping and I'm taking care of Remy. So if I go and get a pedicure, then that means that you can't sleep during that time. And I'm like, no, that's just, that's not even like, no, no, that's okay. And Zach's like, that's okay. I'll, uh, I'll stay and I'll take care of Remy. You go and take care of yourself. And so I did. I went and I got a pedicure. And for an hour and a half, I sat there by myself getting a pedicure. After that, I went back to the hospital. And 
I felt alive again. And at the time that I went to go get my nails done, I felt like the worst mother ever. What kind of mother leaves her kid at the hospital to go get their nails done? Like that is the most selfish thing I could ever think of. But when I did, when I took those couple hours and Zach was able to watch Remy, I came back to the hospital with a new sense of energy and aliveness and the ability to manage going through the whole day without crying and being overwhelmed and stressed. I have to remember that. I have to remember that when I think about eating a healthy diet and working out and taking time to call my girlfriends or get ready in the morning and taking longer than 10 minutes to take a shower, that in the end, that's good for everyone else. So I hope that you take this episode and it really helps you to think. And I would love to hear from you on social media or email how you feel about this episode and how you feel about what you can do to take better care of yourself. So before I go, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Doing this podcast has been everything to me. I have connected with the most amazing people and I couldn't be more grateful to you. You come and you listen to this podcast every week and you share your stories about your precious kiddos. And speaking about self-care, this podcast is the first thing that I've done in self-care in a long time. So thank you for tuning in every week and sharing your stories and sharing your life with me. It has been everything. And now I'm going to start doing interviews. So next week, I am interviewing Zach, which I am really excited about. That is my husband, by the way. And we'll be talking about marriage. So we'll talk about how our marriage has worked, what hasn't worked, how we've survived parenting someone with special needs, and the ways that we keep our marriage alive. So stay tuned for that. And I can't wait. So have a wonderful day, my friend. And go and write your list.